Hi and welcome to Motorsport Now. My name is Jay Paverley and today's guest is Ben Roberts, the director of Clog Eye Gold. Clog Eye are my main sponsor and I am an ambassador for them. I wanted to share this other side of motorsport with you um, because Clog Eye being a jewellery company based in North Wales um, obviously had nothing to do with motorsport but they endorse in, in me as a motorsport person so I thought it would be really interesting for people who are looking for sponsors just to see how Ben as a director looks for things in people and why he's endorsed in me as I say as a motorsport person. It might just give you some hints and tips in the future when you are looking for sponsorship. Ben is also car mad, so it's just nice to hear some of his stories. Um, with this interview, I do it over Zoom, and I could see in the background where he was sitting um, is a big clog eye gold um, advert, but it's all um, pictures from the Snowdonia Mountains, and they've superimposed a picture of his Porsche driving up the roads. <laughs> and he just talked about this in the podcast, so I just wanted to make it clear so you can set the scene if you like. But in any case, I will let Ben start his interview. Hi, I'm Ben Roberts. I'm the Managing Director at Clog Eye Gold. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for coming on today. Um, so I wanted to speak to Ben because I am an ambassador for Clog Eye Gold and they're one of my headline sponsors, which I'm very proud to be part of uh, the ambassador team, the uh, National Treasures campaign. Um, I wanted to ask Ben a few questions about why he's decided to um, ask me to be an ambassador as a motorsport person. So Ben's quite involved in terms of cars anyway. If you can just tell the listeners what car you currently have and the list of amazing cars you've had over the years uh yeah i um i uh, got caught speeding a little while ago so i won't tell you what speed i was going but um i decided to change my car which was um pretty much a brand new porsche 911 turbo um which i've got out of now and i'm driving a tesla which is also actually quite dangerously quick <laughs> but it's a good car i'm enjoying this the changeover from uh, from petrol as a real petrol head to electric and I'm enjoying the obviously the savings as well. Yes, like you mentioned, that's a definite benefit. So how was so that Porsche that you had before, you've had a few before that, I believe. Yeah, I was a big Porsche fan. I still am a big Porsche fan actually. Um you've got all my pictures of all my cars here. There you go. GT3 that I sold last year. Um uh, obviously all my little toys. <laughs> and if you look closely here, you can see I've superimposed a um a Porsche on the it's a 1960s Porsche 911 on my uh, on my background picture in my office. So that's how geeky I am about cars. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if um if you could just tell me then from your point of view, why do you decide to um have me as an ambassador? Seeing as your company is a jewelry company, a Welsh jewelry company, why did you find or why do you think it would be a benefit to get involved with motorsport from that angle? Okay. Well, you touched upon the um the name of the campaign, the National Treasures, before. Um, National Treasures was a campaign that we put together to enable us to sponsor what we regarded up and, up and coming Welsh stars. Um, so in any category, um, we weren't particular about that, but um, we found people who we felt were going to have a higher presence or a higher awareness of themselves in the future. So someone up and coming like yourself, um, uh, a young lady, uh, obviously we like to appeal to a similar demographic as yourself. But in the same way, maybe a slightly more naive way, but in the same way that Rolex sponsor, uh, say, Formula One, whilst our industry doesn't have anything to do with yours, um, the perception of appearing, well, through your presence, through your social media, and of course, through a motorsport, through a sport that a lot of people find quite romantic and quite um, attractive. So it, it appeals to the right demographic, ABC One uh, ladies around... Um, your age um, and of course uh, blokes like me 
uh, we uh, we watch uh, motorsport with intense uh, interest. It's just kind of something that we all get wrapped up in. So I myself, I'm a big Formula One fan. Favorite driver is Alonso, um, and I probably tell you every every one of the sponsors because I I follow it so closely in the Formula One scene. But um, yeah, it's it's similar. I know it's not Formula One, but um, what you do uh, for us in terms of your social media presence and the effort that you put into social media and even this is a good example here you are as someone young trying um trying something outside of maybe your natural skills base uh you're here you're blogging uh and of course this appears to a wider audience um than just getting behind the steering wheel and putting a sticker on the car yeah so you said just just about a sticker on the car so for you you're looking for the whole package as you say social media is a different audience to what you'd normally target as well if you oh. As a business owner, if someone came to you now, um, maybe if you had a, a different company or something, how would you like them to present themselves to try and get you on board? What will kind of sell it to them? Is it, you said about the different aspects, but could you give any advice to anyone else looking for sponsorship? Within my yeah, sure. I, I actually look for enthusiasm. Um, and I mean that genuinely. Uh, it's it's more important than may, maybe um, uh, the social awareness of a particular person because uh, that can happen later. Uh, so we've just taken on board a, a new young guy called uh, Kieran. He's a climber. Um, he's hoping to be in the Olympics. And whilst he doesn't have a social media presence at the moment, he is very, very enthusiastic about what he does. And he's also very, very good at what he does as well. Um, so I think, yeah, probably in terms of the skill and of course the enthusiasm into maybe winning uh, is probably what we would look for. Uh, the rest of it can fall into place later on. Excellent, that's very, very good advice. Um, and also you've had a number of car incidents over the years and everyone likes to watch uh, motorsport. They do like the crashes, like everyone does and everyone likes the, the big stories. So have you got anything that you can share? I mean, you did touch on something um, earlier. <laughs> yeah, I think by the time I was 25, I'd written off 10 cars. Um, yeah, quite good that. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise it was that many. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is weird because I'm not a bad driver, but uh, or maybe I just don't accept I'm a bad driver. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably my my most interesting one. I don't think I've told you this. But I was um, I was at university uh, in Southampton unloading all the cars that were being imported on the ferries, and um, a nice Portuguese man beckoned me towards what I thought was a door with a ramp. However, when I went through the door, um, if you imagine the drawbridge comes down like that from that's the side of the boat. And it comes down to the shore and of, of course that then makes the ramp and depending on the floor they raise and lower the, lap, the ramp anyway they turned out they were sending me out the top floor where the ramp wasn't and my car left sort of leaned forward a little bit like that allowed me to see that the ramp wasn't there and the sea on both sides as well as the ramp and then the car eventually slid just on top of a Volkswagen Passat that was being taken out of the boat on the other one so not only wrecked one car I went out the side of the boat and landed on another and had to be sat there and chained up for about two hours while they figured out how to get me out. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it was. I had to sit there leaning forward over a steering wheel with the airbag that had exploded while everybody else tried to chain the car for two hours. <laughs> oh, at least, well, if that happened now, if we have their phones out, I'm not actually bothered to help, I don't think. They'll just be filled yeah, again. And you said about, um, you're very passionate about Formula One, will you be watching this race that supposedly it's just going to be the teams that are competing and no spectators, is that something that you yeah. watch? Are they talking about France, is that right? I'm not, really, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think that's what they might, they might do. Um, I just, 
even watching the Formula One, there's um, a Formula One series on Netflix at the moment, and um, mm. even watching that, it seems quite obscure um, how close people are in terms of proximity, yeah. um, how we quickly kind of learn to distance ourselves and that becomes the norm. So seeing everybody hugging and high-fiving after a race just seems alien at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I would love them to find a way to make this work. And in the same way as football, playing behind closed doors might be the answer. Um, it's, it's just a big shame, isn't it? Because that's a how the commercial side of the business works. You need those ticket sales. You need those sponsors to be seen on, on the track uh, by actual human eyeballs. Um, but rather than that happening, it looks like we're only going to see it through cameras, which is the next best thing, isn't it? But it's just a shame that it's not as, not as fun. And how did you find it when you sat as a passenger in my Subaru when you came up to Charles Finney? <laughs> well, I probably never told you this, but um, I explained the difference between a fast driver and someone who knows what they're doing by, by explaining how you drive. I said it was, it was interesting to see how you set the car up before you know it's going to take off so that you land at the right angle. And I said to, um, I said to Kevin, our, our sales manager, I said, if you think you can drive past, think again until you drive with Jade. <laughs> I think I'll take that, definitely. <laughs> I think you kind of pulled the short straw because you were last of the day, so I was quite warmed up by that point. And it just... yeah, yeah, it was good, though. It was good. Yeah. I just love the, um, I love the way you get the angles of all the slides right. And um, it's... So those Welsh roads suit it really well as well. So I think you've probably had the perfect uh, environment for training through your growing up years. Yes, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's a very uh, tricky road, that one. I've been doing quite a lot of, uh, well, before this all kind of closed off, I've been down at the uh, Forest Experience Rally School quite a lot in Mid-Wales, and that's on a proper forest stage. Oh, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's probably more, uh, transparent is difficult because you kind of got drops off either side. Oh, it's, it's quite a, a famous road for being very unforgiving. But being right. in a forest stage, you've got, obviously got your trees around you. Normally, I'm on a tarmac driver, but you've, it's got a bit more open. So it's just different. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, thought process. But would you do it again? Uh, for sure, yeah. I love things like that. Um, roller coasters, anything like that. But it just reinforces to me how much thinking has to happen in your mind at a very, very quick rate. Yeah, and I think I would have potentially offered you a drive in the Subaru. However, you did say about writing off 10 cars by the time you're 75, <laughs> so maybe I'll just keep those bolts in the, in the seat position so uh, you're a bit taller than me, so you won't be able to fit in, so that's the way that I'll keep it. <laughs> and Ben, can you just tell us a little bit more about Clogite and how, from a business perspective, you're dealing with COVID, but also just a bit more about sure. Clogite itself, for those who may not know? Okay, well, I'm sat here during lockdown. Um... This is going into our seventh week of lockdown now. Um, on the first week, um, I closed 10 of our own jewellery stores. Uh, so we have 300 stockists and we have 10 of our own stores. Um, and that would probably represent about 80% of the business. So overnight uh, in the jewellery industry, 80% of our business closed down. And I thought I was going to um, be running a business with 20% of the turnover that I was experiencing up till that point. Anyway, it turns out we we had a sale. Uh, we had we aggressively marketed, and we've pulled that figure right back to nearly where it was. So uh, yeah, it's been positive as an experience to know that we can be we can be COVID strong. We weren't one of those jewelers who just turned the key in the lock and then said, "Well, there we go. I'm going home. I've needed a holiday for a while." Anyway, um, we <laughs> actually came in. That hasn't there actually? There has, yeah, yeah, and. Um, you know, out of my 300 stockists, I might have four or five that are still operating because they're still running their websites. Now, 
everybody else had websites that wasn't unique to those four or five people. Um, but they seem to be selling quite a bit of jewellery online as well. So it's interesting to see how people are motivated to keep going sometimes. Um, I was reading that one of our, not competitors, but a similar size business to us, just opened up again um, for two days a week last week. And I was thinking, well, why did you close in the first place? You know, if, you, if you'd have stayed at work, maybe you could have um, been as successful as we have um, in terms of ramping up marketing and just being more in your face as far as the public are concerned through social media. And that's really worked for us. Um, and it's demonstrated that we, that we actually can be far more aggressive on the web than we were being. So maybe that's one of the lessons that we've taken from this as well. And Clock Eye Jewelry as a unique uh, business, um, it's a family business, your third generation? Yeah, uh, uh, actually second generation. Um, okay. The old man bought the Clog Eye Gold Mine with the intention of it being a tourist attraction and was rejected really in terms of um, a public inquiry to by the National Park because of course it would have been damaging or potentially damaging to National Park. There was talk of a cable car, more car parking space. Um, and locked out, not a lot of development in the town in terms of building a hotel. So that would never have happened, uh, especially back then. So just sort of the way my old man works, he was never going to be beaten by it. So he decided he was going to make the mine into a jewellery company um, and started selling probably the worst jewellery you've ever seen in your life um, <laughs> as a souvenir. Um, You're allowed to say that. <laughs> I <don't> know, yeah. <laughs> um, I have some samples of it somewhere. It was quite worrying. Um, that we were about to sell jewellery. But I'm pleased to say that we've kind of turned into a professional jewellery business these days. And um, I think we're number two selling silver brand at the moment, number one selling gold in wholesale. So yeah, we're, we're pretty strong now. Um, and that all come from, came from very, very humble beginnings. Before that, my old man used to sell frozen food. And before that, he used to sell eggs. And we've just sold a health and safety business as well. So we kind of, kind of adapt and survive in any market, really. Wow, that's incredible. What a story. You could do yeah. those little charms, little eggs and then little frozen food. No, yeah. No. <laughs> well, one, was, one was meant to be a Welsh lady's hat, which actually just looked like a traffic cone or a witch's hat. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not sure how we would sell that without a proper description. But uh, yeah, you can see by the nature of that, there was a dragon, there was um, a loom, you know, those woolen loom machines, uh, Welsh, a Welsh lady's hat. Uh, you can tell it's quite kind of a souvenir product and that's really where we were selling in the beginning through Welsh souvenir shops and then eventually those shops became jewellery shops and our, our gift shops and our, our product changed to match what we were, the market we were meeting. And now, um, yeah, now the range is about 500 products deep, um, majority um, probably rings, um, but silver and gold together uh, is where, really where we're selling well. Um, traditionally, we were very gold gold orientated um, now we do silver with an element of gold maybe a motif maybe a bow uh, maybe a setting anything like that um, because by using silver we get access to that market that we were talking about before uh, we lower the price point and we make it more appealing to younger women uh, abc ones you said abc ones before sorry is that a marketing term oh sorry yeah it's um it is a marketing term it's to do with um the social demographics and their their, their their income grades actually. So A, B, A1, C1, B1, they're all people who have disposable money. Um, whereas further down, uh, you will not find that. But further down, you might have, say a Weatherspoons customer, they will be targeting the, the lower, lower down alphabets. 
That's so interesting, the thought that goes behind the product. And it's so great to hear the story of how your family fought through and, you know, you got there and survived. So, of course, that's why you've uh, done so well during this time as well. Um, so, last question, is there any motorsport you would like to try once it gets back up and running? Um, I was going to go to uh, watch one of the uh, F1 races this year. Last year, I did um, Monaco. The year before, I did Silverstone. So, I tried to do one a year. The year before that, I did Monza. Um, but I would like to try Baku uh, this year. Or maybe if I can't try Baku, I might try um, Hungary. But um, we'll see. At the moment, I'm a bit afraid to book everything, anything for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I would like to try and go to one of the um, lesser known ones. I think it would be a lot of fun. And of course, never seen Azerbaijan or anywhere, anywhere like that before. So yeah, it would be. Um, it's right up there on my list to do this year anyway. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting to hear what you had to say, a different side of this, the sport for people. And thank you so much. I have to get you back out in Subaru. That's all. Absolute pleasure. And thank you. And that was Ben Roberts. Thank you so much for listening. I must also add, I have a discount code with Clog by Gold. It is Jade10, J-A-D-E in capital letters, and then the number 10. So if you want to use that and get 10% off, go for it. But I'm really, really proud to be an ambassador for such a wonderful company, and I'm really grateful. And it was really nice to hear that Ben enjoyed his uh, ride in the Subaru. That's a bit of a relief. <laughs> um, but in any case, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Thank you to my sponsors. Um, for the podcast the forest rally experience and groupie motorsport please send me any feedback and uh, on on instagram jade pavely motorsport and uh, tune in to the next one speak to you soon